Okay, hopefully my... Um... I've been recording the last eight minutes, actually. <laughs> Amazing. So it's just eight minutes of you talking, but you can't hear me. It's always quite weird when you listen back to just one side of the conversation. It's a bit freaky, actually. It's really weird. Um, um, great, okay. So let's get started. <laughs> Okay, uh, welcome everyone. It's Tokyo Jazz Joints podcast. Hopefully you're in the right place. This is episode 15. Amazing, episode 15 already. We're recording a couple of weeks in advance actually, so uh, some of our political, our sharp and incisive political commentary and obviously our small talk around the weather may not necessarily be relevant when you actually hear the episode, but um, it gives us something to talk about, I suppose, James, doesn't it? Well, you know, you make disparaging comments about the weather, but I was uh, doing some research on Instagram the other day, and I happened to find that many of the weather uh, pages, is that what you call them, weather pages, weather feeds, sorry, um, have in excess, <laughs> in excess of 100,000 followers. So maybe we should shift some of the topics of our conversation towards uh, that. We would, you know, maybe increase our profile a little bit. Could be, although having said that, James, of course, uh, as, as we've documented on our Instagram page or feed, uh, whichever you prefer, um, we have got uh, a fairly decent listen- listenership so far, and we're really, really pleased with the interest that there's been in the podcast. I got a, a, a couple of contacts this week, uh, people getting in touch through email, which is really nice. Um, shout out to Scott, uh, who goes by Smoking Jazz. You can find his profile on Instagram. Um, uh, he's over in Virginia. Um, Norfolk Beach, I think, if I if I haven't got that wrong, um, and uh, big fan of the project, big fan of the podcast. So I had a little bit of back and forth with him. He's particularly interested in milestone. Also, Anthony, who I think's based in Devon now, but he had been going through uh, some of his old photos in the lockdown and uh, sent us a few uh, samples of amazing pictures of him in Candy, which we've already talked about in one of our previous episodes. Um, him and not only him but uh, the owner of Candy and indeed Peter Brutzman as well the uh, free jazz musician that we referenced uh, on that podcast too so it's really nice for people to get in touch we really appreciate the interest it's really interesting um, how many people have uh, not only interest in this culture but actually have experienced them them themselves and have been and visited various uh, places so if you're listening now and you're thinking when are they going to talk about X, Y and Z place the chances are in one of the upcoming episodes. So please just sit tight and hopefully we'll get to it. The only reason that we won't be talking about it is either that we haven't been um, or it was closed before we began the project. So um, hopefully um, wherever you have experienced yourself, um, we'll get to it in the prog- in the podcast. Yeah, it's it's you mentioned, uh, you know, people asking uh, because I've, I've, I've had a couple of similar uh, mails or texts from from listeners who said like, oh, you know, uh, James, I remember you talking about this joint maybe 10 years ago, you know, um, when I started my website, when all I would have is, uh, you know, a little flip top phone, grainy picture and a couple paragraphs describing it. And, uh, you know, the website link, if the shop had one, and that was maybe about half of the entries on my 
website database site, you know, w- w- was that. Um, and so a friend of mine was saying it was just great to hear uh, you and me talking about the place for 10, 15 minutes. He just got a much better feel looking at the pictures and hearing our stories. And so it was it was almost like, you know, almost like sending him there. You know what I mean? As, as, as he heard us talking about it. And that was like the best feedback that, that we could get, I think, because... It's really, really hard. We've said it so many times, right, Philip? Like, it's really hard to explain the atmosphere in one of these jazz joints if you've never been. If you have been, you know exactly what we're talking about. But if you've never been, it's just such a unique thing. And so, you know, having us talk in the pictures is is as close as you can get to having a trip there yourself. Um, that's pretty much the best compliment that uh, that we could get. So, um yeah, that's not we the patted only- ourselves on the back enough. What should we just call it a day now? Is that enough? I, I, I think episode? we I think we could continue to pat just a little bit longer because it's okay. not the only achievement uh, that we've had this week, James. Is it? I think if rumors are to be believed that you finally, um, with a little bit of help from a friend, discovered how to uh, put GIF arrows onto your Instagram stories, is that correct? Um, that is half correct. Um, I did uh, understand the directions of how to put uh, GIF arrows onto my Instagram stories. However, my stories keep disappearing, and I don't know why that is. Uh, So I do need to do a little bit more research on why I can make a story, and then it's gone. That's quite frustrating. So as always, it's it's two steps forward and one step back with you when it comes to technology. But but we'll get there, won't we? We will get there. And listen, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what, can, what can I say? The fact that I can even do Instagram by myself, I'm taking that as um, as, as it's as an achievement. Because yeah. I know for a fact that you weren't looking at Tokyo Jazz Joints Instagram stories for quite some time. Because I could never understand you asking me why I hadn't posted stuff, and I was thinking to myself, "It's on the story. Why hasn't he seen it?" But anyway, <laughs> listen. Enough of the recriminations. Let's um, let's go to our first place this week. We're going to head to Kanazawa, which, <clears throat> if you're not familiar with, is on the. Um, far side uh, of Japan from Tokyo. It's on that coast that if you jumped off and kept swimming, you'd eventually reach China. Um, and um, I went actually to Boken and we went separately. So I was there with my wife. We went on a, a weekend trip in the car and took in Kanazawa. There's a couple of other places in Kanazawa as well that I visited that we'll probably get to in a different uh, episode. But Bokunen was definitely one of the standouts. So uh, we kind of referenced it briefly, I think, when we were talking with Benedict from Rhinoceros in in a previous episode. But um, it really depends, I think, your experience of Bokunen or certainly your first impressions would depend entirely on what angle you approach it from. Because if you're to approach it from the car park at the back, which is where I initially started out, what you're met with is kind of a slightly, I mean, if it wasn't Japan, I think you'd be slightly nervous about heading down this sort of grey concrete alleyway that's fairly badly lit. Uh, If you were to approach it from the front on foot, what you come to is this beautiful traditional Japanese garden gate, uh, ancient trees um, above you, and you pass in through this gorgeous light, and you walk in along a a Japanese-style garden. I mean, you could, for all intents and purposes, uh, be heading into a temple, you'll pass a big glass sign that says Jazz Spot Bokunen, which advertises as, and I quote, good time, good music, good foods, and good drink. Would you say, James, if you were to give it a Yelp review, that would be a fairly uh, a fairly decent reflection of what you found? 
Um, I would say that is a hundred percent accurate. Um, the first time that I went, uh, I showed up in the morning because I was passing through Kanazawa on my way to a music festival in the neighboring prefecture. And so I wanted, of course, to... Uh, Kanazawa is a very old merchant town, um, as you mentioned, on the coast. Um, and it's fairly well-preserved. It's not like a lot of the run-down regional cities that, that we've talked about here on the show before and that are pretty much all around Japan because of the aging society, et cetera, et cetera. Kanazawa is very lively. It's still thriving. Um, and they've done a really good job of, of keeping all of the traditional sort of atmosphere without making it into sort of a cheeseball tourist land. Um, it's one of the more authentic places in Japan, putting it that way. So I was so excited to, to take a walk. Um, and Bokunen, a bit far from the station, but I was. Um, this was in the summer. And I'll never forget this, Philip, because I was listening to a baseball game on the radio uh, coming from the States and um, in San Francisco. And a guy was pitching a no-hitter which is an exciting event in baseball for our non-American friends. Um, and I, I remember walking past the castle area and the park and, and all the sort of old wooden shops. We've got the water running in the gutter. You know that how they have that in a lot of the Japanese towns, you know, for yeah. the drainage. And, um, and I was just thinking like, wow, this is just a, a perfect morning. Here I am listening to an amazing baseball game, walking through this beautiful Japanese town. And just when the game ends, I arrive at Bokunen and I walk into this gorgeous jazz cafe and uh I, I pretty much just thought you know what um i think it's time to start drinking because the day's not going to get any better than this you know yeah you were correct on the entryway uh the entryway is is very lovely uh the room is very narrow um you can see in yeah. one of the pictures that they've got that huge table and um as i was sitting there having coffee just about getting ready to chat to to the husband and wife owner then the lunch crowd came in and i quickly realized that people um were not necessarily just coming for the jazz they were actually coming to eat and he was cooking up a storm in the kitchen um, that's right so um it functions definitely very much as a, as a cafe uh in addition to the jazz but after the lunch crowd left i don't know if you had a chance to really chat with the two of them but they were amazing um he spent a lot of time in tokyo as a student and then afterwards working for a couple years and actually was a regular at our favorite joint pithecanthropus erectus that's uh, right that was the connection no i did have a chance to talk to him uh, sarah and i were there as you can see from my photographs um at night time obviously but we did go in it wasn't overly busy i think and so we did kind of uh, we sat at that counter um the third photograph along there you can see the jbl um flag we sat around there and got chatting to him in particular and i think once i mentioned the project then um pithecanthropus came up and he said he'd been there i think was it like junior high school student and i kept thinking to myself so that make you about 13 or 14 and you were hitting those um hitting those jazz cafes nice and early. If only I'd been such a cool 13, 14-year-old. But yeah, they were a <laughs> well, lovely his, couple. His destiny must have been set then, because if you were doing it at that age, like, how the hell are you going to go work for a Japanese company? I mean... Absolutely, you know. yeah. You can see as well from the photographs <clears throat> that uh, obviously Miles uh, is definitely winning the battle for wall space. A hundred percent, including that absolutely priceless concert poster yeah uh which for our non-japanese readers it says uh kanizawa and then it and then it says miles um blowing the wind it doesn't translate very well directly but basically miles is playing in kanizawa in 1973 and july 1st um another miles in japan poster this must be at least the fifth or sixth one 
um, that we've seen on our journeys. I wanted to steal every single one of them uh, because you can't find these. You can't even find them on eBay. It's like they might have only printed, you know, maybe you know a couple dozen to advertise in the local regional city. Well, that's the and thing, isn't it? I mean, it's it's like you say, it's it's that one specifically is Kanazawa. So you know, mm. there's not going to be a need for thousands and thousands of those posters. And, and again, probably back in 73, I mean, you mentioned about Kanazawa preserving this kind of character that it has. And I think, if I'm not wrong, that they've only recently um, put in a Shinkansen line from Tokyo. So I suppose that lack of connection or direct connection with the capital has probably um, helped keep a little bit more of its character and, and sort of prevented that mass tourism. But certainly in 73, I would imagine you know, going over to Kanazawa and that, that coast uh, nearer China was probably a real uh, bit of a trek, I would imagine. So Yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, you know, uh, people, Japan is a, is a smaller country than some, um, but it's, it's long and it's incredibly mountainous. So what looks on the map as 150 kilometers um, because of the mountains can take you, you know, three or four hours on the local train, sometimes even more. you got to go all the way up and around. So you're, you're exactly right. I took the Shinkansen um, out there right when that connection came, and now it's very easy. Um, but it's certainly it's, it's certainly a regional place of Japan. It has no connection to, to the Tokyo, Osaka, you know, east side. And they maintain that character t- to this day. Um, and including Bokunen, I mean, you know, there's a, a great jazz. They call it Jazz Street uh, in Japan. Jazz Street is like a two or three day festival with indoor and outdoor gigs. Yeah. And I went to the Kanazawa Jazz Street um, two years ago. Um, and it was amazing. I mean, there were live gigs everywhere. Even, you know, random little things on the street corner, the proper ones to pay in the park. And almost all the bars um, had live gigs going on. And this is not a huge city. It's a regional city of a couple hundred thousand people. So having that level of jazz festival was just so impressive tidy looking graphics as well i always appreciate that uh, in some of the places and uh i still got a couple of beer mats that i took uh, you can see the the design particular on uh, in between the couple that run the place um in that photograph too um i also really like uh, just from a personal point of view i love <clears throat> the photograph with the framed kanji uh, up on the sort of shelf, uh, the kind of, almost like a Butsudan type shelf, and then that frame picture of Billie Holiday just beside it. For me, there's something about that that just encapsulates jazz joints. You know, you've got the two the two elements of them there in, in one picture. And uh, yeah, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous place. Um, so if you're ever in Kanazawa, you're around that area. And there are a couple of other cracking places that we'll, we'll touch on in different podcasts, but uh, or different episodes, but certainly uh, don't miss Boken. And if you do manage to get up to Kanazawa, it's a very worthwhile visit for sure. Well, from Kanagawa, we're going to go all the way back on right into the western part of Tokyo to a very different kind of place. Um, also a lunch place, but very different in atmosphere. Um, and that's Misty. Uh, and Philip, it's strange. I've been to Misty probably six or seven times. And yet when I saw the notes for today's show, I couldn't remember which shop it was. Yeah, I mean, I put Misty in there because... I mean, this is the second part of the Weird and Wonderful series. So, you know, there's obviously going to be a lot of overlap with the places that we talk about. You know, some some of them fit in multiple categories, as you can imagine. Um, and certainly for me, I just thought Misty is one of those things that maybe one of those places that doesn't quite fit in. I mean, yes, it's a jazz cafe, as you can see from the the uh, the sign. Um, 
it's in a fairly there's a there's a lot of footfall there, so it's it's a pretty busy area. But when we went there, it was a Saturday, I think. It was certainly judging by the pictures, it was daytime, and I just remember being kind of crammed in on a little bench next to you, and and we were looking just at a wall, and above us on the wall there was you can see a little um, snippet of them there with the Frank Sinatra DVD and the Blue Note um, book. Or, or is that a DVD as well? You can see, like, uh, you know, there's there were, had these kind of shelves that were deliberately designed to display records and different kind of books and jazz memorabilia. But we sat the whole time kind of just crammed in that counter next to people and looking up there. And it was pretty uh, hard to photograph um, in there. That was kind of the best that we could do in the time that we had. Um, there was not... I mean, and again, it's a good thing, of course, for the owners. I mean, there wasn't, there didn't seem to be any likelihood of the place opening out at any time uh, that we were there. And as you can see from the back of the place, it's absolutely covered in advertisements for different kinds of food. They also sell, I think, loose leaf tea and coffee as well. So it's it's kind of a jazz cafe plus alpha, really, isn't it? It's sort of all things to all people. Yeah, it's got a lot of sort of, uh, you know, healthy ingredients on the menu a lot of different coffees from around the world and um, I think we were talking uh, before recording that if you just took the jazz off the sign um, it would function perfectly just as a neighborhood cafe for coffee and lunch you know yeah for sure um, but when you when you go in and look around like you said you've got the blue note that the Frank Sinatra there and then you've got a great picture that you uh, you were able to capture the Dean on uh, turntable with the with the Mingus album in the background, so you will be hearing jazz there all day long. Um, and like I mentioned, you know, I've been there. The reason I've been there so often is because once a year in October is the Asagaya uh, Jazz Street Festival, and Misty is in the neighborhood of Asagaya, a little bit west of Shinjuku. Um, and so at the Jazz Street, it's on a Friday and Saturday in late October. Again, the indoor and outdoor gigs. So I would always um, take that Friday off come up and I'd go to Misty and have coffee around lunchtime and then uh, get ready to wander around all the gigs. So I have been going there, you know, pretty regularly over the last 10 years or so. Um, unfortunately, I just heard that the uh, the Jazz Street's going to be canceled this year, like almost every festival. So more sad news um, due to C19. But, uh, but, you know, look, the cafe is still there. And um, yeah, it's the kind of place that I would say, like, it, it really, it really will always have a customer base because because, you know, the jazz isn't really the major focus of it. It's more of a yeah. coffee shop, you know? I don't remember the owner either. I, I'm not sure if that um, slightly slightly eerie uh, kind of statue thing outside is meant to be modeled on the owner. But rumor has it, wherever you stand, the eyes follow you. Um, I don't like to talk about that guy. Uh, so let's, <laughs> let's just skip over that. Yeah. Let's uh, let's leave some of those traumas for maybe a separate episode of its own. What do you think? Okay, yeah. so um, we we just wanted to mention Misty, I suppose, because it's one of those slightly anomalous places, you know. But it, it is a jazz cafe. Um, there is a history there. There's definitely a love for the music, and you know, for that reason, uh, it, it fits well within the parameters of the project. But um, again, you know, not uh, probably one of the standout sort of headline type joints, but uh, interesting and worth worth just mentioning in its own way. So we're going to move on to probably, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> so, 
Sorry. <laughs> it started already. I, I, can't, um, I just can't. One of, I the can't more, help it. one of the more surreal, I think, afternoons. Um, it's, it's, it's almost inconceivable, I would say, if you're listening, unless perhaps you're listening in Japan, that you've been to this place. And if you have, I'd say, the sort of chance, I'd say go buy a lottery ticket because we didn't really, Danmo was one of the places that we had turned up on a jazz map and we were out in Saitama and we've mentioned already now a few times that some of these trips to the prefectures around Tokyo, they look ostensibly quite short journeys on the map. But when you're driving from place to place, um, you know, they are actually quite far away. And Danmo, I remember, was part of a, a, a day trip to Saitama in the car. And the place that we went, I think it's safe to say that the city that it was based in, if you would call it a city, certainly a large town, it, there would be no reason to have ever gone there had it not been for this place. And going to this place itself was just a name. Like, we were literally just following the trail of this name, Dammo. I don't think you were familiar with it. Um, no, and so not, we just kind of headed out. No, not at all. I, I didn't even know the city, uh, you know, Kitamoto in Saitama Prefecture. I, I'd never heard of it. Um, your description is uh, is even being generous. Not only would you have no reason to go there, it's a place you would actively avoid going to because it's <laughs> so flat, so hot, um, completely nondescript. It was nondescript. so, hot. It was so um, hot that day. Just, just the, the the most mind-numbing of like you know suburban city planning. Um, in but Japan. safe to say though that we weren't disappointed, were we? And I mean, no, for, no, for various well, reasons. So. I mean, as soon as we saw the sign, and and this is a place that um, if you're listening uh, by now on this episode, I think you know the drill. Go to TokyoJazzJoints.com. Uh, go to the regions uh, A to G, and then go look at Dammo because you've got to see um, just the exterior first. Um, I I don't know exactly. It sort of looks like the signs you would see for a, a piano teacher, you know, the way that yeah. that sign is laid out. I was thinking it looks like it's been designed on the Japanese version of Microsoft Word <laughs> <laughs> and then printed really large. Like, it, you know, it, I mean, if you think of the gorgeous, beautiful graphics that we've seen in a lot of these places over the years. And, yeah. and and it also looks very much like a, a, a it's got that snack feel again that we've oh, talked about the kind the of snack feel and I, I've got to I've got to translate this for our non Japanese speaking listeners. So you see the circular sign, okay, and it says eleven to four p.m. Above that is the, the Chinese characters, the kanji. It says kisa. We always talk about jazz kisa ten, right? You know, coffee house, tea house, okay. But below that, it says five thirty uh, p.m. to eleven, and above it, it says yofu izakaya, which means Western style drinking pub is how you would translate that. Okay, so this, so it's immediately you know, oh, okay, this isn't a Japanese restaurant type place. This is a, a Western type vibe. So just keep that in mind as you look through the next couple of pictures. Um, so the first, well, when we got there, James, and this is, it, it annoys me that I didn't write this down because I think for the, the way that it sticks in my head, it's frustrating me that I can't remember the exact details, but I do remember kind of just going over and over in my head after we left. So, so we, we didn't get in the first time, right? So we, we turned up at the door. Uh, we were like, is this it? Can, could, this be, could this be it? 
And eventually we, you know, we, we kind of plucked up the courage. We went to the door and I remember a man who must be in his 80s coming out and he just sort of kind of shook his head and said, lunch isn't ready or something along those lines. Yes, he did say that. <laughs> he immediately said lunch is not ready. I definitely remember that because, first of all, we didn't even ask about lunch. Uh, if you're a loyal listener, you'll know my policy on eating in any of these places. Um, so clearly lunch was not on the itinerary. Um, but he must have assumed that that was why we were there. Otherwise, why would we come? And it was well past the time. Like, I think that was the other confusing thing. It was like well past 11. If, and so we were really confused because he was in there and it was open but he just said, oh, lunch isn't ready. So we, we instead of sort of saying anything, we just went, oh, okay, B- but are you open? And he just went, no. So we kind of just wandered off, really, didn't we, with our tail between our legs, wondering <laughs> what had just happened. Uh, where did we end up? We ended up in, um, I, I guess you would call it a civic hall, a civic community center. It's, it's a, the type of building that was built in the 1980s in pretty much every, um, you know, nondescript town around the country due to, uh, how could you say, pork barrel politics, I guess. There was a lot of money. Uh, there was a lot of lobbying by the construction industry. So, oh, my town of 3,000 people, we need a new five-story community center with libraries and music halls and rehearsal spaces that nobody ever uses. So you find these white elephant buildings everywhere in Japan. They're almost always empty spotlessly clean they're really freaky I, I gotta be honest i've been lost in a couple of them and there's just nobody ever around using them so we killed some time there because it was so blisteringly hot outside um just thinking okay this town is as boring as any we've been to but we have to like force our way into this joint we actually had that conversation do you remember we, we were debating whether we should try to go back or not or whether yeah. he was just gonna not let us in yeah but happily we did go back and uh, the second time for whatever reason <laughs> Whether lunch was ready or not, um, we got in. And, I mean, it looks really like someone was just in the process of moving out. Like, it, it, it was, a, as you can see from the photographs, a kind of a fairly functional, you know, probably quite roomy Japanese apartment, if you've, if you've ever lived in a, an apartment in Tokyo. But he was behind the counter there, beavering away, um, making food for customers that weren't there um there was a bike parked in the um wait, in the cafe. wait, wait. You, you you have to go back to the food okay look look at the look at the picture you took of him cooking where he's got the parmesan cheese and the yeah. plate and then the half full ashtray well i mean it's what you right want isn't it? it i mean it's just and it's just like is he just cooking up pasta for all the customers? I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, we've seen in a lot of places where they do the lunch sets. But, I mean, I think this guy could have been in his late 80s. Like, he was definitely hard of hearing. And he, he was very frail, really, I think. Yeah. really slow. He moved really slow. And I was quite worried about him behind there in the kitchen, which is, you know, probably, like, offensive. He's been doing this for years. He knows what he's doing. But I was just thinking, how could this guy run this place? And after that, that's when I saw the bicycle. And, again, I was thinking, like, oh, my God, I hope that's not his bike, you know? Well, well, I mean, again, Japan being Japan, it probably is. He's, You know, he'd probably be riding that bike till he's 100 or more. But I think, like, there was – I mean, of all the places we've been – probably the least welcoming i mean he did not want us there 
Um, he kind of very sort of begrudgingly brought us a drink. But we did get talking to one of the a customer then did turn up. And I think we got talking to that customer who had lived overseas. Was that it? Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, interestingly, a, 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 well, a much younger man, but of retirement age came in. And as soon as he saw us, I think you had already stood up to take some pictures. Mm. So he started to talk to me um, and he spoke to me in English right away and and uh he said oh you know you speak english so yes yeah uh he said oh you know i lived in america for five years on business uh, so i learned to speak a little bit and i was like, oh, okay great so we had a little bit of a chat and he'd retired he lived in the town um and he said that he came here pretty much you know three four times a week for coffee and at nighttime for the gigs and i don't think it had really kicked into me yet that they were actually still doing live gigs in this space like i think it was just i just thought it was on the sign from years ago but that clearly nobody was actually putting on a performance in this room um but sure enough you got the sign up there they were still doing gigs on yeah. saturday friday and saturday nights uh, a lot of live vocalists you know sometimes even people coming up from tokyo um, and the plot thickens doesn't it because if you do a little bit of rummage around the internet of course not only can you find one website for Danmo, you can actually find two um, and the original website, the last entry, was 2015 in their sort of news. But down at the bottom, there's a website which goes to danmocafemix.jp. And the most recent uh, entry there is the 7th of February. And it's all uh, all the entries are for live gigs or scheduled for gigs. So it's still going strong, whether or not the breaking old guy news, that runs it. Breaking news. Oh, I, uh, Sorry to say. Um, I kept this from you, but uh, oh, no. after our pre-production meeting, I did make a phone call to Donmo, and the line is disconnected. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, it would seem like the place is closed. Oh, no, unless, that's so sad. Unless, because that website does seem to be five years old, uh, maybe the phone was, you know. And and there's something, there's something fishy here, though, Philip. This guy, there's no way this guy could make a website. This guy didn't even have, he's the kind of old man that wouldn't even have a cell phone, you know. Um, so who made these two websites? Was it maybe a, a, a son or someone in his family, a regular yeah. customer? Somebody must have made those websites as simple as they are. Um, so perhaps uh, the place took over and they just, you know, maybe they changed the phone or they're using their cell phone. Who knows? Uh, but I will do a little bit more detective work uh, for next week because now I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Um, don't necessarily want to catch the train all the way up to, to Kitamoto City, but uh, no. I would Although like the, to know. You could check out that Civic Center. I know you're a big fan. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> the, the two uh, phone numbers are the same on both websites, so it would seem perhaps that even on the most recent website which of course like i said was february the last entry uh, presumably this year um it, it may well be that that it is closed which again you know i suppose and we haven't set this up this is genuine breaking news but it does just show you the um you know, the sort of fragility of this kind of culture, I think, and particularly where places are run by much older people, uh, which is probably the majority of joints that we, we've been to and certainly the ones that we've talked about so far, apart from our episode on, on younger owners. Um, you know, they, they really are 
in many cases functioning on a shoestring. Um, they're definitely very prone to being closed down for you know financial or economic reasons. And probably the biggest threat, I suppose, is the age and the health of the owners. So if Danmo has closed down, considering that you know two three months ago it was still having gigs, uh, that's a real shame. And um, it's it's again just great that we were able to to make it up there and document it. However surreal an experience it was, the owner himself I think wasn't keen to be photographed as you can probably guess uh, we did ask him of course uh, he did sort of say well okay but um, you know there was no he wasn't uh, question. He, I, I, he no, was definitely just, not no yeah he was just like yeah yeah take whatever you want I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. do you remember the, the Cafe Ole that actually came to us yes I do <laughs> yes <laughs> uh, I, as I've said trauma uh, we'll keep for a separate episode. Yeah. So um, anyway, Dammo, that was um, you know our experience of that place, and uh, what a place indeed. Um, if you, um, uh, there are lots of other great places in Saitama which we're going to get to in different episodes of the podcast as well. So. Um, uh, don't worry if you're living in Saitama and listening uh, out there. You won't be able to make it to Dammo, unfortunately, but certainly there's lots of other great places uh, that you can check out if you're out that way. So to finish up today, then we're going to head back to Tokyo. Uh, it takes about an hour on the train or an hour and 15 minutes if you're driving. Um, where, are we, where are we off to next? Okay, uh, we are all the way back into the center of Tokyo, but down an alleyway um, that feels a million miles away from, from the center uh, to a very special place um, that I was a regular at, I would say, for about seven or eight years um, until I moved uh, down here to Yokohama, and it's called Kisa Sakaiki. Kisa, of course, being the tea house cafe. Um, Sakaiki, you can't really translate directly into English, something along the lines of tea meeting record, um, if, if, if you're going to go for that. But, Slightly um, less catchy. Yeah, yeah. It does Sometimes the, the, the words just don't come directly. But um, owned by the um, uh, really, really uh, unique person. Um, Fukuchi-san is about our age, and he was a big fan of the old jazz kisaten culture. So when he got the opportunity to rent this space, he decided to open. But rather than imitate uh that sort of classic style that we've described in detail and that we love so much. He wanted to make something a little different, and, and he definitely did. Um, you can see from the, the, the second picture, you captured the, the entryway, so you've got to take your shoes off when you come in. Now, anytime you take your shoes off going into a place in Japan, you immediately think in your mind, oh, okay, this is going to be a traditional Japanese space with tatami mat and you sit on the floor, etc. But strangely enough, Kisa Sakaiki is actually designed more like a European tea salon. Um, it has a lot of wood. Uh, you can see some of the knickknacks, the clocks, the lamps, um, some of the artwork, very much a kind of like an old 19th century type of like uh, atmosphere. But at the same time, the music is all on the experimental side. So he's playing, you know, ambient music. He's playing free jazz. Um, just the mix of styles in there is unbelievable. And the best thing of all is the back room. So you go into this big back room, which is bigger than the cafe space, and pretty much every day in the afternoon and then again in the evening, he has events going on. Anything from live dance, live music, 
artwork, spoken word performances, um, calligraphy lessons, cooking lessons, pretty much everything. So it, it really functions as both a cafe and an art space uh, with this with this weird sort of European vibe to it. There's not really any place else like this in Tokyo. Um, and as I said, I used to go there once a week for a good six, seven years. And every time I was there, Fukuchi-san would introduce me to somebody different somebody working in the field of art or music. Um, and he always was a really, really good host and took the, took the time to, to introduce everybody. Um, so I would recommend if you come by, he loves having guests from overseas. Definitely you should stop in. Yeah. I'd say like, it's, it, it's one of those places that, you know, it seems like very much a certain type of customer goes to and that everyone who does go there is of a like mind or connected in some way or other. Um, I think for me, what stuck out, I mean, I think it's probably one of the only places, uh, bar maybe a couple of exceptions that we ever had to take our shoes off. But um, certainly, you know, when you go in, it has this beautiful, almost like antique uh, salon kind of feel. You can see that particularly from the speakers and this beautiful chest with the, with the clock uh, and the sewing wheel. And then there's kind of a door which just opens up into this huge rehearsal space around the back that you can see that in one of the photographs as well. There's a sort of a, a, a mixture of chairs lined up and then a huge speaker as well. And there's this enormous kind of space out the back. And I know they sort of, they have kind of talk events. He mentioned something when we were there about um, students getting together and using it. And I think we've even discussed the possibility of maybe showing a few pictures um, from the project there uh, next time I'm back. So it, it is a really, I don't know, there's something about it to me felt like going back in time a bit. I could imagine going in there and then stepping back out into that more radical, kind of politically active Tokyo sort of student um, 60s kind of vibe, you know, that, that existed in Tokyo at the time. There was something that transports you back a little bit, um, not that I was there, but just certainly as how I imagine it, you know. Um, yeah, it's the yeah, sort of place sure. I see Murakami and these people hanging out potentially. There's something, you know, a, just little, there's something a little mysterious about Sakaiki. Um, it it, it kind of always seemed, um, you know, a little bit dark um, because it is like down an alleyway. You could see from that first picture, it's sort of in between a group of houses. I don't know what the neighbors think when he has the free jazz gigs on, but I, yeah. I guess he's been able to, to deal with that because he's been open for so long. Um, but yes, it's it's certainly a place where, where like, I mean, you have to seek it out to go there. It's not a place that you randomly walk by and pop in for coffee. So pretty much anybody that walks through the door is there on purpose um, and generally is a repeat customer. Um, and yeah, you know, actually, it's funny. I just remembered years ago when I first started my website, um, and I decided that, uh, oh, you know, once a month I'm going to do like a, a drinks night in a different jazz joint and try to get like, you know, like-minded people to come, um, realized after a year that that was a pretty boring thing to do. So I stopped it, but, but I, we had Took a, you a year to realize that. <laughs> <laughs> there were a few good nights in between a few yeah. good nights mm -hmm. great night and stick uh, r.i.p um but it's a kaiki actually we had a really good one because um that was one that i took the time to promote and we had about 25 or 30 people um and so we were all playing music and just people were talking about where they like to go listen to tunes and and you know it was kind of you see a lot of times in tokyo um i guess this is the case in a lot of asian cities but you know expats will have their their certain you know groups you know 
you know, you got the jogging club or whatever, the, the, the people who go out to the, sh- the clubs together. Um, but nobody was doing like a jazz thing. So that, that was my idea. When I told Fukuchi-san about it, he was 100% into it. He was just like, that's the kind of community space that I want to create. So anybody can nice. come in at any time, you know. Um, so, yeah, really a really warm, interesting place. Um, his English is not very good. Um, so bring someone who speaks Japanese uh, because he's actually a quite a deep thinking cat. He he'll go off on some pretty interesting tangents um, about art and philosophy and and how it all relates to jazz uh, in Asia. Um, so I, I would put it as one of my my top ten places to visit in Tokyo for sure. Nice, nice. Well, that kind of wraps things up for for the second part of this weird and wonderful series. I mean, the name itself, I suppose, is a little bit of a misnomer because in 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 many ways. You know, there's something weird and wonderful about all the jazz joints. But as I've said before, we're trying to just group them together and and come up with a, a little bit of a, a thematic thread for some of the episodes rather than just a kind of a scattergun approach. Um, and sometimes, obviously, that's ge- geography and location. Uh, and sometimes it's things like this. And I think the places that we've covered this week and last week um, are just maybe ones that stand out as being, you know, a little odd or a little more unusual uh, than just, you know, the more regular jazz kisa that we kind of have come to know and expect from the project. So it's been nice to revisit those places um, over the last couple of weeks. So, James, um, do you have any um, things that you need to plug this week? I don't know. Maybe you're getting sponsored. No sponsorships yet, unfortunately, nope. uh, but plenty to promote. Of course, go to KOL Radio at Mixcloud. You can hear the latest episode of my OK Jazz podcast. You can hear DJ Otsuka's Sound Journey series. Uh, we've got a special mix um, made by uh, Ian Martin here in Tokyo of really deep underground indie and punk rock Japanese bands. Um, this is music that you will never be able to hear outside the country. Um, so, uh, And we've got a world music mix up there as well. So you've got a lot of different genres. Go to KOL Radio at Mixcloud.com. Lovely. Anything else just before I carry on? No, nope, we're good. You're all done. Um, listen, um, it's been great to talk this week. Um, thanks to everyone who's listening. Please, um, if you have like two minutes uh, pop over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts and please rate and review us um, we want to get back up to the number one uh, spot on the Japan music podcast chart for sure um, we're not number and, one um, anymore? well you know it ebbs and flows ebbs and flows oh, um, but um, in the meantime please go to tokyojazzjoints.com um, have a rummage around on the site there's 130 odd places there to look at uh, please follow us and um, share anything that we post on social media. We're at tokyojazzjoints.com on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's where you can find out all the latest stuff that we're up to um, and information about the upcoming episodes and so on and so forth. This week always, I'm going to post... Always good stuff on the Instagram page. Absolutely. Yeah. Arrows and everything. It's got GIF arrows and everything. It's got everything. <laughs> Although they keep I'm disappearing. Pouring another, oh, no. I'm pouring another drink now. That's oh. yours. <laughs> Listen, James, until next week, uh, look after yourself. Take it easy, uh, and I'll speak to you. Talk to you soon. Ciao. Cheers. Bye.